0: Welcome to episode number 121 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Cody and I'm joined by Tony Paulian, as always. We've got yet another treat for you on this week's show. We'll be joined by Boise State Broncos offensive tackle Ezra Cleveland, an early entry into the 2020 NFL Draft. Tony, I know you're a big fan of Cleveland's game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a guy who I have had rated highly since I watched him as a uh, redshirt freshman, really the summer after his redshirt freshman season, when I was doing my uh, tape review as I do to get the prospects in, in order. And I start grading everybody who's going to be draft eligible. And since he had redshirted and, and this was his second year, he was actually going to be, uh, he was going to be starting to become a draft eligible. And right off the bat, I, I mean, I told people, this guy is going to be a real good left tackle prospect. I love, love his athleticism, his footwork, his agility, uh, his mobility, the ability to get out and block on the second level. So, you know, the, the history's there. I, I had him literally uh, three years ago, two two summers ago, uh, graded as a, uh, a top 90 selection or a potential top 90 selection. And, uh, you know, I think there's a chance he could go top 32. I don't think he gets out of the top 42 selections of the 2020 draft. I think a lot of people are sleeping on him. uh, And he's going to open some eyes uh, at the combine as we'll talk about with Ezra. uh, uh, You'll hear during the interview.
0: Now, a lot of people have been talking about this class being a very good offensive tackle class, a lot of players who could end up going in the first round. And obviously, when you have depth at a position, there is a chance that a player who may deserve to go late in round one ends up being pushed into the earlier middle portions of the second round. But Tony, when you watched Ezra Cleveland year to year, what did you see in terms of his improvement from that redshirt freshman to redshirt sophomore to junior seasons that really impressed you?
1: He was always a very good pass blocker. And I really liked his mobility, you know, as well as his fundamentals. You know what happens when you watch a lot of college offensive linemen? Sometimes they're so much bigger and stronger than everyone else that they're at a severe advantage because they can just maul people to, uh, to the ground. Cleveland wasn't like that. I mean, he was strong. I would like to see him improve his run blocking a little bit more. But I, I always look for guys who are real good in pass protection, have real good footwork have the ability to get out on the second level and block in motion because it's easier for a guy like that to become stronger just as he physically matures as opposed to say a big bulky offensive lineman who may be strong in college, but struggles to move, struggles to slide off the edge, really can't block in motion, can't get out on the second level. Those things are almost impossible uh, to coach and really to get into the, fo- get into fold for a player. But with Cleveland, it was the athleticism, it was the footwork, it was the constant improvement in its fundamentals. Uh, and in time, you know, I think he'll be a real good uh, run blocker. You know, he's a, he's a zone-blocking prospect. And when you have that ability to be a zone-blocking block, prospect, you can play in just about any system.
0: Yeah, I mean, as they say, you can't teach speed, and usually they don't talk about that when it comes to offensive linemen, its receivers and corners, the guys who are, you know, blazing sub-4, 340s at the combine and things like that. But as you said, you can always get bigger, you can always get stronger. Obviously, the trick is not losing your speed and your quickness when you do, but there's only so much upward trajectory that you can have when it comes to pure speed.
1: Yeah. It's not even, it's not even the speed. It's, it's the agility. It's the mobility. It's the ability to get out to the second level and redirect to a linebacker. So you can hit a moving target. It's the footwork off the edge. You know, uh, your statement is basically uh, it, it, the capacity of it is correct. You know, you can't teach speed, but there are some guys who are very fast and straight line, but they're stiff as a rock uh, Who Taylor Mays. Perfect example. I mean, they can't move left to right. The safety from uh, USC all those years ago, you know, Number one, I think Ezra Cleveland is a guy who's going to run very fast at the combine, and he's got the athleticism, and he's got the mobility and agility.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it with uh, Levert Hill out of Michigan, a guy who is probably going to time well in the 40, but just doesn't play to that speed on the field, and a lot of that is coaching and and everything else, technique. But in the end, you have to be able to play to your speed and to your agility drills. Otherwise, it's just a track meet.
1: And when you watch Cleveland – he looks athletic on the field. (laughs) I mean, he plays like a real good athlete that he is. So uh, a lot of things going on for him, you know, like you said, this is going to be a very good offensive tackle class. There's some information I got. uh, I'll let out as we get closer to the uh, combine that I'm hearing, but still you're looking at Andrew Thomas, Tristan worse, Austin Jackson, Mickey Benton, Jedrick Wills. And then after that, it's Ezra Cleveland, Isaiah Wilson. And, you know, again, the the ability to be a real good left tackle, and I think Andrew Thomas is a real good left tackle. I think Austin Jackson is a, a tremendous left tackle prospect. Uh, I think Wurfs is more right tackle. Becton's a right tackle. Jedrick Wills is a right, is a right tackle. You know Cleveland is a left tackle prospect, and those guys are always highly graded and highly considered, and usually go much earlier than expected come draft day.
0: Absolutely, and we'll get right into our chat with Ezra Cleveland, see if he can kind of back up some of what Tony was saying here in our intro, but first, a quick word from our sponsor. Breaking news. This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com.
1: After more than 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the greatest below-the-belt trimmer ever.
0: Now, this new trimmer was just released, and we are among the first to confirm that the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping Trimmer is now available for purchase.
1: Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELIEVE at Manscaped.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com using our code B-L-E-A-V.
0: Now, as promised, we're joined by Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State, a three-year starter for the Broncos, first-team All-Mountain West performer the past two of those seasons. Ezra, welcome to the Draft Analyst, and it's great to
1: have you on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Ezra. Big fan of yours. I remember watching you uh, as a redshirt freshman play left tackle for Boise State, and I knew right then and there, I I popped you right into my, uh, uh, as a second-day prospect there, and you have not disappointed. So thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, like I said, thank you for having me.
1: For sure.
0: And, uh, you know, we'll start from the beginning here. You grew up in Washington, played football, baseball, and you wrestled at Bethel High School. Most of the recruiting interest in you on the football side came from Pac-12 and Mountain West schools. What led you to ultimately choose Boise State amongst all those other choices?
2: Well, you know, I went up to Boise for my junior day and, uh, you know, I got to meet with all the, all the coaching staff and uh, all the players and stuff, and I got to see the – The city of Boise and you know I it's kind of hard not to fall in love with Boise because you know it's such a it's such a beautiful place and all the people are just absolutely wonderful you can't you can't go anywhere without anyone asking like how's your day going or you know how you doing and that's honestly just that's just crazy to have in a town because you know I come from a small town in Washington and you know no one really talks to each other and just it's just it's just crazy that uh you know all the all the people in Boise are like that
0: and obviously wrestling has its share of similarities to offensive line play. Do you have any main moves or strategies that you used as a wrestler that you've taken with you to this point in your career?
2: Um, I only wrestled my freshman year, so uh, I didn't really, you know, gain the, the tool belt that most wrestlers have. But uh I think my best thing in wrestling was a, a double leg takedown. Uh, I don't think you can do that in football, so no, not really. <laughs>
1: And a lot of flags if that happens. Now let me ask you: You redshirted in 2016 before stepping right into the lineup or the starting lineup, I should say, the following season. The redshirt decision was was it made early on? Was there a chance of you playing as a true freshman? How did that come about?
2: Uh, I think it was made early on. You know, I stepped on the campus and you know, uh, learning the offense is always a, is always kind of a struggle for you know incoming guys, and most uh, guys aren't physically ready. You know, when they when they first get into college and I think uh I think the red shirt, you know, was was the best uh best way for me to go so I could you know get the playbook down you know get physically ready to to go against you know 21 22 year olds
1: Was left tackle always your stated position at Boise State did they try you at other spots on the offensive line
2: So I started at, uh left tackle and uh a few I've, I've taken a few snaps at right tackle but I've been left tackle pretty much my whole my whole career there
0: now you played in all but one game during your college career, missed a game against Portland State this season with a foot injury. That injury also limited some of your practice time early in the season, but you only ended up missing that one game. What do you credit your durability to? And was that missed game more a product of the opponent, or would you have had to miss that game regardless of who you guys were playing?
2: Um, you know, I, I credit my, you know, me coming back really fast to you know, our training staff. You know, they do they do a great job of you know, getting us in there and getting us the rehab we need, and you know, making sure that we feel good. And uh, uh, sitting out that game wasn't—it wasn't really my uh, my choice. The training staff didn't feel that I was uh, strong enough or ready enough to to play, no matter who it was. So I think in their mind, they already had me sitting out. And I wanted to play that game, but they had me sit out. And uh, unfortunately, I did miss that game. But you know, I was I was uh, ready to go for that next Air Force game.
1: Well, if you're going to sit out a game, Portland State's probably the best game for uh, for you to sit out against uh, for, w- when you play for Boise State, right? Yeah. Now, you were named Honorable Mention All-Mountain West Conference as a redshirt freshman, and then the next two years, your sophomore and junior seasons, you're a first-team all-conference player. What was the biggest key to your immediate impact on the Boise State offensive line? I
2: would say uh, communication among the offensive line was a, was a big thing for me. You know, Uh Sorry, as a true freshman, you know, I don't have the experience that, that the other the other four guys have. And uh, as the games, you know, uh, as we got deeper into the season, you know, we got we got more comfortable with each other. We were able to communicate better and better. And I think as each season, you know, progressed, we got better and better at that. And it made it easier for all of us to, you know, succeed.
0: And as you mentioned, kind of that buildup, you also had a very successful season in 2018, which was your second as a starter you kind of gelled with the rest of your teammates there was there any thought for you towards entering the 2019 draft after that sophomore season and if so how much research did you do before you ultimately decided to return to Boise for one more year
2: uh, I'm gonna be completely honest I had no idea I could that was even a possibility for me my sophomore year I remember we were going in the bowl game and my position coach asked me that and I was like what, what are you talking about you know I I'm coming back no matter what. I didn't even know you could leave. So, you know, that was the farthest thing from my mind. And, you know, even last year, it was the furthest thing from my mind until after the bowl game.
1: Well, there you go. You just answered my question. I was going to say, you know, uh, during the summer of 2019, was there a thought process of, you know, if I played well this season and stay healthy, I'm going to enter the 2020 draft. But you just said you, you waited till the, uh, till the bowl game. But let me ask you this. At any point during the process when you were deciding what you were going to do, did you reach out to Leighton vanderesh and, and talk to Leighton because he had such incredible success leaving after his junior season to go into the NFL?
2: Uh, you know, me and Leighton, we stay, we've stayed pretty tight, you know, through, uh, through his process in the NFL and me staying in college and stuff. But um, throughout the season, no, I, I never really reached out to him unless it was to see, like, how he was doing and stuff. Uh, it wasn't until, you know, after that bowl game, like I said, that I, you know, reached out to him and talked to him, and, you know, got his opinion and what he was going through and all that stuff.
0: Now, last week, we had Michael Walker of Fresno State on this podcast, and he's someone you played against twice during the 2018 season. Do you remember facing off against Walker? And if you do, was there
1: something about his game that stood out to you?
2: Um, I'm, a, I'm a big number guy. Do you remember what number he was?
1: I could look it up real quick, but I, I, I'm like you. I need jerseys and numbers. I want to say he was a stand-up linebacker uh, who occasionally came out of a uh, three-point stance. I'm looking it up as we speak right now, and Michael Walker was number three. I was close. Number three. He was kind of a defensive end stand-up linebacker uh, in 2018.
2: Yeah, I, I actually do remember going against him. You know, uh, you know, it was good competition, and you know, uh, I'm not a real big trash talker on the line, and Me and him ended up having conversations, you know, after the play about, like, how we're doing, how we're feeling and stuff like that. So that's kind of funny that you bring him up.
1: Now, the Broncos traveled to Tallahassee for the first game of the season this year to take on Florida State. It was a close contest, and you guys pulled it out and won the game at the end. The Seminoles have fallen on tough times, but Florida State was once a storied program in college football. Did you guys know or think about the Florida State history at all while you were traveling down there to play the Seminoles?
2: Uh, you know, I think everyone pretty much knows Florida State history. And no matter how much you say that, you, di- you didn't think about it. You know, it's always in the back of your mind. But uh, I think we tried to focus more on the film and, you know, who we're playing now and, you know, trying to, you know, uh, get us prepared for, you know, who we're playing.
1: Now, you helped hold uh, Seminole's pass rushes Janarius Robinson. He was number 11 and checked that game. He finished with just a single uh, tackle. Robinson is a pass rusher that a lot of people like. They consider him a, a potential top 100 selection, and I know that he gave serious thought to entering the draft. Do you remember uh, playing against Janarius Robinson? Was there any special preparation for him going into the game?
2: Um, so I think I went against him like two or three times. He mostly lined up on the right side. I went against uh, 13. But I do remember that week uh, – not that week, that whole off season. you know, we were going – we were talking like speed and stuff because he, he had re- – pretty good speed off the edge but he also you know had to quick up and under move so you know our our first keys were you know to get off the ball as fast as we could and you know react to his moves
0: now you ended up making the decision to enter the draft right around Christmas time last year was there any point during the season when it kind of clicked for you I know you mentioned before that really weren't even thinking of it to the bowl game so is this something that truly came down to the wire for you
2: yeah, you know, it really was. After that bowl game, I, I sat down with, you know, Coach Harrison and Coach Bedell and we uh we talked about it and uh this this ended up being the, the right decision for me and that's what we all came to agree with.
0: Now what goes into the decision to leave school early that the average person or maybe our listeners may not realize about that kind of decision?
2: Uh you know, just uh I'd say like mental uh being mentally ready and physically ready. And uh, you know, playing de- definitely playing good during the season because you know if you don't if you don't play good during the season, you don't have the opportunity to leave. If you're not physically ready, then you know you're not going to have the strength to you know go compete in the next level. And if you're not mentally ready, I don't know what you can do because if you're not if you're not mature enough, then I don't even know.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Uh, well said. Now you sound with Ron. You signed with Ron Slavin as an agent. I've known Ron for about ten years, and and Ron is one of the most well connected people. Uh, in the league, he's also a guy that's going to tell you the truth. He's not going to tell you, w- w- you know, what you want to hear. And Ron has represented a bunch of other Boise State players uh, in the past. Uh, first-round pick, Leighton Vanderesh who we mentioned before. Ch- uh, Charles Leno, who plays with the uh, Chicago Bears right now. Now you said you, you talk with uh, Leighton vanderesh Did you talk with any of the guys about, you know, representation? Did you reach out to them about their experiences or uh, recommendations on this agent or that agent?
2: You know, luckily for me, I had quite uh, a few players before me going to the draft, and, you know, they had experience that I didn't have, like Brett Rippon and Layton. So I was able to reach out to them and get their opinion and stuff. But when it came down to the wire, you know, it it, it was just down to uh, – it came down to my decision and what my gut was. And, you know, Ron, like you said, you know, he's a straight-to-the-point guy. He's not going to – he's not going to, uh, you know, lie to you. He's going to tell you the truth. And I really liked that, and I got along with him, so I ended up going with him.
1: Good choice. He's, he's a good guy, Ron. And, and you know, he, he's more than anything else. He's honest, which is oftentimes a tough thing to find in the agent business.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I said, you know, he's he's never going to lie to you. He's always going to be honest, even if it's bad. You know, truth hurts sometimes and, yep. you, you know, you got to hear it.
0: Now, your teammate Curtis Weaver also left school early, and he also ended up signing with Ron Slavin. Were you guys in communication at all about your decisions, both whether to enter the draft and which agency to sign with?
2: You know, uh, after the bowl game, you know, we talked a little bit, but I, me and him, you know, we didn't talk really until he ended up signing with Ron. You know, I texted him, and said congratulations, heard you, heard you uh, declared, and signed with, uh, ended up signing with Ron. So there was there was little to no uh, communication with each other until after both of our decisions were made.
1: Now I'm sure you and Curtis Weaver had plenty of battles in practice, and he, like yourself, made an immediate impact stepping on the blue turf at Boise State, just like you did. How much does going up against an All American pass rusher like Curtis Weaver in practice help you improve your game?
2: Well, you know, like we always say uh, at Boise, iron sharpens iron, and you know, Curtis, he's he's one of the best to do it. And, you know, going against him every day at practice pretty much, you know, was a, was a blessing. You know, he he really could point out, like, the flaws that you had in your pass set, your run game. And, you know, I could do the same for him. And I think we truly both made each other a lot better.
0: Now, kind of along those lines, give us a quick scouting report on Weaver from playing against him for several years in practice. What does he do well that's going to translate to the NFL level? And, and what might he need to improve on that I guess you've already told him about?
2: uh you know uh his get offs really well and he's uh he can bend the edge really well too uh he struggled with that uh towards the end of the season you know because of his ankles but uh other than that um you know there's not much that he he needs to work on he's pretty he's pretty, he's a pretty well rounded pass rusher and he's uh he's good at holding the point in the run game and yeah
0: now, Tony mentioned the blue turf briefly earlier. How long does it take you to get used to playing on a different color field in terms of what you're seeing out there?
2: Uh, you know, believe it or not, there's no uh, adjustment period. You know, uh, you step out there and it's it's really cool to see and stuff, but when you're playing, you know, you, you, you barely even notice it.
1: You just mentioned the scouting report on uh, Curtis Weaver. We're going to turn the cameras on you. Uh, if you were to break down Ezra Cleveland, what are your biggest strengths? What is one of your opponents really going to have to watch out for when he lines up across the uh, line from you?
2: Uh, I'd say uh, my punch, uh, run blocking, or uh, pass blocking.
1: Everything. Lay it on us, brother. Uh,
2: run blocking. You know, I'm pretty physical at the line uh, at the point of attack, and I I'm pretty good at you know uh, running my feet and keeping and staying on. And then uh, pass blocking. I'm I'm an inside hand shooter, so. Um, it's the outside hand chops don't really work on me, but, and I'm also, uh, pretty quick off the line. Like I have a good first, first kick, which is, uh, pretty good.
0: Now, what part of your game on the other side of things do you feel might need the most attention heading to the next level?
2: Uh, definitely pad level in the run game and, uh, overall, uh, physicality in the past, in the past game.
1: Now, both you and Curtis Weaver are working out at Exos in Dallas. What's the experience been like? Is there anything about the facility or training that you may have not expected or, you know, may have been different from, uh, you know, the workout facilities that you've experienced the past four years at Boise State?
2: Uh, yeah, Exos uh, has been fantastic. You know, everyone there has been really nice and really inviting. And, you know, I believe that Curtis and I have actually really, got, really gotten uh, a lot better, you know, this, um, in this little time that we've had to work out. Um, fortunately for us, we came in and we, you know, we knew each other and it made it easier to transition to, uh, you know, to just start working out in Exos. And like I said, everyone there works out, uh, works uh, really well together and, you know, everyone's friendly and makes you feel at home and it just makes you want to work your butt
0: off. Now, what are some of the main things they have you working on at Exos? Obviously we have combine prep and everything else, but what are their main focuses?
2: Uh, main focuses would just be uh, you know, getting stronger, putting power in the ground, and uh, you know, bench technique for the two twenty five pound uh bench test, and then uh, like I like I said before, we started doing this uh, the forty forty starts, and you know, the first twenty and the the next uh, the uh the last twenty of the forty yard dash.
1: Do you do any sort of role play as far as you know? the interview process or what they expect the interview process to be like at the combine? Do you, do you say, take any practice wonderlick type tests?
2: Yeah. So we took a, we took a practice wonderlick I think, uh, last Wednesday. And, uh, so we do do stuff like that. Like we've had interview prep and stuff like that too. So we're not, uh, you know, blindsided when we get to the interviews and stuff, you know, we're prepared and, uh, you know, access has been has done a fantastic job with getting us prepared for a lot of stuff.
0: Well, Ezra, this was an absolute blast. Thanks again for coming on the show and best of luck moving forward in the draft process. As we get
1: closer to April here.
2: Thank you. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks again, Ezra. And you know, for those people who don't know the name Ezra Cleveland, I'm sure he is going to be a, uh, a name that's on everybody's lips after the uh, combine. Cause I expect him to blow it up. And as we get uh, closer to April, uh, you're going to hear his name more and more because as I've said all along, I, I think there's a real chance chance. He broaches uh, the late part of round one. So good luck. Uh, Good luck at the combine. Hopefully we'll be able to hook up sometime. And, uh, you know, like I said to you in our text message, I hope you do great. Make me look like a
2: genius. (laughs) Thank you. I really appreciate it.
1: And that's it for the
0: 121st episode of the Draft Analyst presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review and feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. Another special thanks goes out to Boise State's Ezra Cleveland for joining us on this week's episode, and we hope you all enjoyed the interview as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Stay tuned next week as Tony will be in Indianapolis for the NFL Scouting Combine, so we will have multiple shows there to cover everything you need to know from the Combine and everything you need to know coming out of it the following week as well. On behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi, Good night.